Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Thanks again for joining me for today's adventure. Today I have the pleasure to talk to Doug Cooper, and Doug is a coach, author, guide, and authority on Scottish sea kayaking. So enjoy today's episode as Doug takes us on a tour of Scotland with a little diversion to Greenland. Hello, Doug. Thank you for joining Paddling the Blue today. Hi there, John. Great to be here. Well, Doug, tell us a little bit about your history as a paddler and as a coach. My history as a paddler and a coach, I guess it's a sign of a misspent youth when it's all you've ever done. Uh, <laughs> I remember kind of as a, a kid at school, all I wanted to be doing was uh, out in the outdoors, either in the hills or on the water. And then on leaving school, the advice was... Um, there's kind of no work in outdoor education, so can I go and get a real job? And uh, luckily I ignored that and I never got a real job. So I've spent the last kind of over 30 years instructing and coaching, but that's all led from the fact there's just a, a passion from being in the outdoors and passion for, for exploring places. I, I started exploring in the mountains, um, but very quickly realised that there's so many more places to explore on the water as well. And that led me to exploring on, on rivers and on the sea and and to this day, I, I love being in the mountains, on the rivers or on the sea, but clearly the, the sea's kind of given me lots of opportunities. So, so yeah, over, over 30 years kind of um, coaching, instructing, guiding, playing, exploring, expeditioning, and uh, still not looking for that real job, that's for sure. Well, congratulations on, on being able to find that passion and being able to pursue that passion as your life's work. Yeah, no, I, I certainly kind of, I wouldn't say I'm kind of uh, lucky. Um, you, you can have, I think you can always make your own luck and I've just striven to make my own luck and uh, living in great places and uh, enjoying amazing environments with amazing people and kind of uh, uh, pursuing that passion. So for you, what is it about the sea that drove you there? The sea is, it, oh, there's so many things. I guess it's the starting point because it's such a dynamic environment. It's it, It's alive and whether it's the sea that's alive, whether it's the the weather which impacts on the sea or whether it's the wildlife which are linked to the sea but this incredibly dynamic environment it keeps you on your toes all the time to enjoy it to make the most of it to respect it to be safe with it and i really enjoy that kind of a dynamic environment and just kind of working hard to make the most of it and then that alongside obviously there's just the the endless kind of coastlines and i'm i'm very much a uh, enjoy exploring coastlines as opposed to big long open crossings and it's that kind of interaction between sea and coastline and the the miles and miles of, of that that there is around kind of the, the world which is is what I enjoy. Well you are very passionate about Scottish waters and I know Scotland's a big place so uh, to start I'd love to hear a little bit about your home waters. Mm, yeah no like um, uh, I've been lucky enough to be paddling in Scotland for um, for over 30 years now and alongside that I've been fortunate enough to paddle in so many other amazing parts of the world but I've got to say every time I come back from Scotland it's it holds something very special to me and and I, and I think the the biggest thing is that the variety which we have in Scotland it's a it's a huge coastline with all the indentations um, but the the variety of the weather you've got to say the weather initially in Scotland because it's it's never a given you're going to get good weather so therefore you have to kind of plan and work hard to make the most out of trips but then the, the good days become all much the better for it um, but then it's the the wildlife second to none wildlife everywhere the, the scenery 
the, the beaches, the cliffs, and whether you're wanting a, a mellow, easy day or a full-on day in tides and big seas, it's, it's kind of got everything for everybody. So really inclusive and it can really meet your mood on the day, so to speak, to, to kind of have a great day on the water. So where about in Scotland are, is your, your personal home waters? Well, ironically, I, I live uh, in the mountains, um, huh. fairly in the central highlands. So I'm a good, I'm a little way from the sea. But what that allows me to do is that I can be on the north coast of Scotland, the west coast of Scotland or the east coast of Scotland within two hours quite comfortably. And my nearest waters are on the, the Murray coast on the east coast, which is about a, a half hour drive. But I, but I kind of position myself where I do because that way I can watch the weather or, or I can go um, and guide people where they want to be guided and really kind of enjoy all the coastlines and again it goes back to that variety and the difference between the, the northeast and west coasts and uh, so I have all of them as my home waters actually. <laughs> oh that's fantastic. <laughs> so tell us about some of your favorites. My favorites that's a great question I like in I so often get that question when I've watched your favorite paddle, Doug. Um, I, I can't answer that because my, my favorite is the variety. And if I had to take a trip to my desert island, I would get bored of that trip because I'd be wanting to see different things. Um, so, so if I can rephrase that question uh, a tiny bit and give you uh, a sample of my favorite trips that show off the variety of Scotland, is, is that allowed? That would be fantastic. Great. Um, so I kind of break Scotland down into the, the north, the east, the west coast, and then the, the islands. And they're all very different in character. And if I was to start with the north coast, which is arguably my favourite bit of coastline because it's incredibly dramatic, it's very remote, it's often quite committing, but there are places which are less committing. The cliffs, the wildlife, the caves are immense. And then along a lot of it, you've got some um, exciting tidal waters. So there's there's a lot of ingredients need to come together to enjoy the North Coast. And for me, that's what makes it quite special. And up there, a trip around the northeast corner of the um, the North Coast at Duncansby Head would most probably be my favourite because it, it's kind of got up to 12 knot tides. It's got huge cliffs, huge caves, lots of wildlife. And you're, com- you're combining kind of some tidal islands with... Uh, with those that cliff scenery so 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 the north coast and Duncansby head would be that extreme but if i flick it to the west coast i love the west coast because there's the options are endless the intricate coastline the numerous islands the numerous sea locks the ease of getting shelter if you want shelter the ease of finding exposure if you want exposure the, the west coast really is many would say the jewel in the crown but it's because it has so many options and uh, and an area I love there, I, I was just working and coaching down there this weekend, actually. It was just south of Oban and there out to some islands called the Garvlak Islands, which is all around uh, tidal races like the Great Dogs and Corrie Vrecken. Um, but it's a cluster of islands south of Oban where you can find shelter and non-tidal or you can find exposure and tidal depending on the weather. So the, the area around the Garvlaks, I think, is really very typical of fantastic variety of the West Coast. Many people overlook the east coast of Scotland, but oh, they shouldn't overlook that bit of coastline. The cliffs and the bird life in particular and aspects of the east coast are just sensational. And I'd say everybody should go and paddle kind of near a place called Stonehaven on the east coast, where there's immense kind of a bird reserve and bird life. 
as a Donata Castle, a dramatic castle you can paddle under and just kind of a cliffs and caves that are plenty. And then, and then I couldn't kind of not mention kind of the, the kind of the outer islands of Scotland where you've kind of got the likes of the, the Hebrides, the Shetland, kind of Orkney and the likes. And and they're just magical in themselves. But uh, of those, then my, my heartfelt favourite is always Orkney Isles. And that's where I we actually had our, our honeymoon when we kind of got married, myself and my wife. And magical islands of the Orkney Isles. And there's an island on the Orkney Isles known as Westray. And the, the west coast of Westray, again, with the, the wildlife and the scenery, stunning. So sorry it doesn't answer your question with regards which trip in particular, but hopefully that kind of shares some of the, the variety, the differences, and some of the, the amazing uh, paddles we, we do have, and a few favourites within there. Oh, no, that answers that answers perfectly. That's, uh, you know, we wanted to get a taste for, for the whole place. So <laughs> why do you feel people overlook the East Coast? Logistically, it's a little bit trickier because lots of the trips are uh, linear trips. You're paddling along a coastline from A to B, so uh, shuttles are, are usually required. Um, so that makes the logistics a wee bit trickier. And also, you haven't got so many options there. So if there's any wind or swell coming from the north or the east, there's nowhere else you can go to to hide. Or as you know, you can go to the, the west coast and almost whatever the weather does, you'll find somewhere to go paddling. But the East Coast, you've got a bit of a drive. And if the weather's not quite right, you haven't got kind of a, a backup plan. And there's usually a shuttle involved. So it just takes a little bit more logistics and a, a little bit more uh, efforts to get the right days. But I, I would encourage everybody to make that effort on, on the right days because it's, it's some cracking paddles along there. So tell me about the wildlife experiences. Oh, the wildlife experiences. Where do I start? Um, I could start with a, um, I was away paddling around Sky just uh, last week with a, a good friend. So it wasn't work. It was just a, two friends out for a nice paddle, a six day trip, loaded boats, camping, away we go. Started this morning and we ended up having kind of 18 kilometers paddling into a bit of wind, a bit of rain. And it, it wasn't that pleasant, but it's, it's always good on the sea regardless. But to cut long story short, at the end of the day, the wind changed. Uh, we had the wind at our backs. We were pretty wet. We were pretty tired. And as we're paddling down this final bit of coastline, looking for the campsite, kind of looking forward to get off the water, what should pop up but three common dolphins just kind of swimming alongside us, almost like kind of cheering us on to the final bit of the journey. Um, <laughs> and then as these common dolphins kind of waved us goodbye, so to speak, we rounded the corners to go to the campsite. And what was there waiting to greet us at the campsite? A beautiful sea eagle just kind of sat on this rock, almost overlooking the campsite. So, that, so that's a, a real experience, literally from just kind of last week uh, on the day, which you could say wasn't offering much because it is quite wet and windy. But it's that, that wildlife encounter at the end, which is so typical of Scotland, which is great. Um, so that would be a... So, so, so yeah, wildlife in abundance will often pop up kind of when you least expect it. But there's certainly some sections of coastline you know you can go to and you can be spotting otters daily, seagulls daily. And if you're lucky, you might be seeing kind of either dolphins or, or whales. Um, and it's that that possibilities of Scotland to kind of go to certain areas, you know, you'll definitely see puffins or you'll definitely see otters or you'll definitely see seagulls. But there's always that. And what's the unexpected thing we're going to see today? And that, that could be a minky whale, that could be a basking shark. And, Maybe we'll be lucky today to see one of those. Well, I live in the uh, the U.S. Great Lakes area, and uh, we rarely see any of that. 
well you'd see see plenty of that <laughs> over here and um and the seals as well like um many people um don't see the volume of seals we have over here and uh, for the, the gray atlantic seals like you go out to the the monarch isles off the hebrides and it's one of the largest breeding grounds for the, the gray seal in, in the world kind of thing so there's there's some real world-class kind of wildlife here and if you're if you're interested in the wildlife like i hope every sea kayaker would be then you can indulge yourself with the wildlife we have eagles and otters is a the majority of the, the limit i guess we have here no uh no other sea life <laughs> mm, totally unsalted yeah no and we're, we're very lucky with the migratory birds over here with the like the arctic terns like what a story they have they, they travel up from antarctica to the northern uh, latitudes and many of them will, will choose scotland as their, their summer kind of breeding ground so we'll have the arctic terns the the puffins return each year from their, their life on the ocean to come and breed manx shearwaters i was seeing last week when i was out to gain a fairly rare bird coming in and breeding so yeah no it's for, for me the wildlife and the the environment which kind of envelops the the sea kayaking experience is, is really kind of core to what it's about so what kind of skill does one generally need to to paddle the scottish coast and that's the, the beauty of the scottish coastline like man, many will hear the stories of scotland and they'll they hear the big cliffs the tidal races the weather the wind the swell and there'll be this assumption that you need to be a really experienced paddler to to come and enjoy scotland but but that's not the case at all you, you just need to be a paddler who is competent to stay upright in a boat competent to rescue themselves and others and but most importantly competent to make good decisions around the weather forecast knowledge of where there's tidal movement and where there's not tidal movement. And if you can make good decisions, then there's a wealth of really lovely sheltered areas can be found, which can offer you the scenery, the beaches, the wildlife, which I've made reference to, that are very escapable and not exposed to undue kind of uh, uh, sea conditions. So, so for me, Scotland is so amazing because it's so inclusive and I can take kind of day one beginners on a, a sea kayaking trip and show them seals and beaches and they've, they've never been in a boat before and they can experience that which is incredible um, alongside i can guide people around cape wrath or one of the, the mighty headlands of scotland which is about as exposed as you can possibly get so again that's this how good do i need to be then you can be a complete beginner through to a complete expert but all you need to be is to be able to make good wise decisions for uh, the weather, the conditions, and your, your own ability. So now you made the transition, you know, thirty something years ago from paddler to coach. Uh, so what made that transition for you? It, it kind of stems just from the the passion for the outdoors. Like I, I've always, since a, a young child, got so much from the outdoors and so much doing activities, and uh, I've always been in, inspired and see it as a, a privilege to support others and kind of gaining something that's kind of given so much to me so to speak so i've always i guess it's my philosophy really i always like kind of sharing knowledge i always like kind of inspiring others uh, uh, and i always like kind of supporting others kind of get what i've got from the outdoors if they're interested in it so it's a very natural progression and i almost kind of evolved as a outdoor performer so to speak alongside evolving as a as a coach and it kind of went hand in hand with me developing myself as a performer and therefore the anxiety of learning and getting better but that alongside kind of trying to develop others kind of getting better at, at their level so 
so super it's a, it's a privilege to be out working with people and it's a, a privilege to be able to um, support them um, becoming more independent and more confident in such an incredible environment whether it be the sea or the mountains well, certainly one of the ways that you uh, you do that and you support that coaching is through your books and, and I know personally I've read uh, sea kayak handling and rough water uh, handling uh, it's been a while but I've read those and uh, so tell our listeners a little bit about those books the, the books all came from starting as a coach really and the the guidebooks actually came prior to the I, I write sea kayaking guidebooks for Scotland and they came slightly before the, the kind of the skills books and and they kind of all lumped together, if I can indulge myself on that. And it, it started by you, I, I take people paddling and I kind of coach them and I kind of get them inspired to go paddling. And then the question at the end of it was always, and, and where can I go or where should I go or where's a good place for me to go? And it was very difficult for people to find good places to go if they if they weren't in the know or they weren't linked in with a club. Um, so the, the guidebooks came first and it was really just, inspired by those who I was taking out and it's them just always asking me the question where's a good place to go at the weekend Doug or where's a good place to go if I'm looking for this or looking for that so um, so it's really my my clients my groups who inspired me to write the guidebooks just to try and help them find good places to go and I also found like on the sea the whole tidal planning aspect is a, a barrier to many with regards to kind of getting out and enjoying the sea so through the guidebooks, I just wanted to make the title planning a bit easier for people. So it would A, keep them safer, but hopefully it wouldn't be a barrier to people kind of getting out and enjoying. So it kind of started with the guidebooks for those reasons. And the skills books kind of followed. And it was then people asking me the question, oh, like, I've, I've really enjoyed the coaching this weekend, Doug, kind of, and, and where can I find out more? Or, or kind of, have you got any handouts you can kind of give me to help me with my forward paddling? Or, or I'd be running a coach education course or a leadership training course and those I was supporting in their coaching they'd be saying they'd be kind of wanting kind of more information to help them know how to structure what they're teaching etc so so again that the guidebooks started and then they were followed by the skills books and the skills books were just driven by people to, just to help people kind of get better and it goes hand in hand the, the better people can become at their paddling the more amazing paddling trips they can do so if I can help them in some little way by giving them, sharing my knowledge through my books on how to become more skillful or then how to take those skills into more dramatic places, then um, then that's what I like to do, really. So I guess it's, I'm just a, a coach through and through. And if I can coach people face-to-face, brilliant. And if I can't coach people face-to-face, then I like sharing knowledge through books and, uh, and other media. So how many uh, guidebooks do you have? Well, that's a good one off the top of my head. Uh, so we've <laughs> got these. The Scottish Sea Kiking was the very first kind of guidebook uh, in the UK, actually, of its of its type, and that came out in two thousand and five. I've just done the second edition of that, which just kind of came out this year. So we've kind of got a, a selected for the whole of Scotland, which I've got a first edition and a second edition has just come out, and then I've done a guidebook for the whole of the north and the east coasts of Scotland, and then I've got a guidebook for. Uh, sky and the whole uh, northwest of Scotland and so kind of four, four guidebooks in total have kind of evolved over the years. And uh, with Scottish Sea Kayaking and now in your second edition you started uh, your first edition had 50 great routes and now you're up to 62. 
That's it, yeah. No, we've included the first guidebook. Didn't include Orkney and Shetland for a variety of reasons at the time, but we I just couldn't overlook them in this second edition. So we now include Orkney and Shetland. So I'd say it truly does cover the everything that Scotland has to offer across all the islands. So and we didn't want to lose any routes to include Orkney and Shetland. So we just we just put more routes in. <laughs> <laughs> just keep growing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. But, and again, it's just a, a selected, um, and it's just really just to kind of give people a, a flavour if they're there on holiday or they're visiting. Is is kind of the the best of the crop to consider, but there's there's plenty more to kind of go at as well. And so, how did you narrow it down to, in this case, sixty two routes? So there's a little bit again going back to I love the concept that Sea Kayak is really inclusive, and it's for people who've got little experience all the way through to lots of experience so I narrowed it down to try and make sure there's a range of trips and I kind of loosely grade the trips from a more simple trips through to C the advanced trips so I try and make sure there's a, a balance in each area of uh, some sample kind of beginner intermediate kind of advanced trips so it's kind of selected a little bit to make sure there's a, a variety and then on the back of that it's um, it's kind of the trips which I think kind of show off that bit of coastline at its best, really, which is arguably one of my favourite trips, but but also just to try and um, really show off the, the best the coastline has. So so it's kind of narrowed down, and it's very difficult to narrow it down. You always feel guilty for leaving out some trips, but, but only so many can make it in, and I just try and make sure there's a, a trip for everybody, and it really kind of shows off the best that coastline has. So other than Scotland, what's been your favourite area of the world to paddle and why? Um, I'd have to jump straight in at Greenland. I've been lucky enough to do uh, a lot of trips to Greenland. First went out there in um, 1991, mountaineering, and I, I did a, a number of years doing climbing and mountaineering trips out there. And whilst climbing and mountaineering, we obviously travelled to the mountains via the, the sea through the icebergs to access the glaciers and often looked down from the mountain tops onto this amazing coastline. And then after a number of mountaineering trips thought well time to do a sea kayaking trip so in 1997 um, we loaded our sea kayaks with six weeks uh, worth of kit and did a, a self-support uh, six-week trip up the, the east coast of Greenland which was particularly memorable and and I've been going back ever since so I've kind of done about 15-16 trips out to Greenland now on the east coast south coast west coast primarily for myself I've done a little bit of guiding out there and for me that's the special place. The question is going to be, why is it special? And I love mountains. I love sea. And for me, Greenland is where the mountains, some of the most spectacular mountains in the world, meet some of the most spectacular coastline in the world. So the glaciers off the mountains pouring into the sea, the icebergs, if anybody's paddled through ice and icebergs before, they'll, they'll know when I say it's just the most breathtaking experience there is. So, um, so, and they're, the complete vastness of the country, the vastness of the, the coastline, and you can completely lose yourself out there. Um, and if you're out there in the summer, 24-hour daylight and often pretty good weather. So what's not to love? So tell me what one of your uh, your favourite adventures there. Favourite adventure? It'd be between two for two quite contrasting reasons. And this is goes to, to why, again, why I think sea kayaking is so amazing lends itself to differing motivations and the first one would be when we paddled around Cape Farewell which is the southern tip of Greenland. 
we were kind of one of the first kind of uh, groups to paddle around it in single kayaks and I've been planning the trips for many years I'd attempted it for three times before and never had the weather to do it and the stars all aligned and we paddled around kind of Cape Fowell the southern tip of Greenland and it was as spectacular it was as exposed as you'd imagine but we had an amazing weather window a strong team and it was a an incredible trip and many would say I'd kind of come out of that one as being my top trip out there because it was very committing it was quite an achievement and so on and so forth but as I'm getting older and I reflect on what's important to me sea kayaking I'd most probably actually say the last trip I did to Greenland was my favorite one and we went out there with no real objective but with a, a group of friends and we'd known each other for over kind of 30 years as a team we'd been on many many trips before and our three-week objective out there was just to explore to have fun to have nice campsites enjoy the views and enjoy each other's company and we just potted around the east coast and did just that and i've actually kind of got some of the most powerful memories from that trip um, with a group of um, equal-minded friends as i did to the the trip when we kind of achieved around cape for well so so the, those have been my two favorite trips out there for two contrasting reasons but um, i do think it's the the people and places which make the difference a little bit more than the achievements. Uh, the, the, it always does come back to the people. Um, I've, yeah. I've talked to a lot of folks about a lot of trips and, uh, and, and often comes down to the people that uh, were met along the way and then the people that you were with. Absolutely. And I'd agree with you. And some advice to anybody kind of planning trips and expeditions is, is kind of choose the people you go with kind of um, really carefully because they, that you, those are the people you have the most powerful experience with and uh, have those great times with. So what's next on your adventurous list? Next on my adventurous list, I, I'm actually kind of reversing back to kind of uh, just exploring and spending more time in Scotland. I feel very privileged with all the places I've been in the world over the years and with the current kind of considerations of kind of traveling and your carbon footprint, etc. I, I just look at the amazing coastline we've got uh, on our doorstep in Scotland. I look across the pond to the west coast of Ireland where I've had many, many happy paddling trips and memories. And, and just at the moment for the foreseeable, my adventures are definitely going to be more home, home-born. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of looking for the weather windows, going out with really good friends and just kind of exploring some of the nooks and crannies of Scotland that I've not visited or heading back across to kind of Ireland and enjoying some of the, the west coast of Ireland. So um, so nothing too dramatic, I'm afraid, but um, but I'm actually kind of perhaps tuning into what I like most about the sea paddling, and it's definitely the the friends and the the places, and just losing yourself in an environment, and and I can do that at home. So I think that's where my next adventures are going to be for sure. So after thirty years of paddling Scotland, what areas haven't you explored yet? Oh, there's loads, there's loads, which kind of gives a, an idea of kind of how vast the coastline is, and and kind of, yes, you explore a bit of coastline by paddling along a bit of coastline, but do you really explore the coastline by kind of looking in every cave and every kind of nook and every little cranny? So, so I've got lots of coastlines I need to kind of go and revisit, and the, the swell will allow me to get into a few different caves or uh, through a few different gaps. So many coastlines to kind of go back to see in different conditions, and many kind of bits of islands or bits of coastlines of either not visited yet or have not kind of linked together so um, so there's every day you go out you'll be with different people different environments see different wildlife and 
um, no same trip is ever the same. So, so plenty of places. So when you go on, uh, on multi-day trips, um, where do you tend to go in Scotland? Where the weather's looking best. <laughs> so, so, so I'm a very, I kind of, uh, a very uh, ardent weather watcher and I tend not to put a date in the diary to go and paddle in such and such a place. I'll kind of put a date in the diary and then go where the weather's looking kind of most favourable or I'll keep an eye on the weather and try and uh, create space in the diary to kind of grab that weather window. So where do I most regularly go? If the weather window is looking good on the north coast, then I'd always be heading to the north coast to be um, doing trips. But just last week, I was, we headed off to Sky to kind of uh, look at circumnavigating and paddling around Sky because the, the simplicity of just you drive, you set off and you, you come back to the same place. So, so yes, I, I just kind of go with the go with the weather, go with the conditions, and, and often are led by those people I'm paddling with. I'm, I'm often paddling with people who've paddled less of Scotland than I have, so I like to see kind of where they'd be inspired to go and then support them in kind of exploring that area. Being able to see through their eyes. Absolutely, yeah, and seeing. And there's something magical, isn't there, when you, you know what's around the corner, you know there's this amazing sea stack around the corner, but they're they don't know, so you're just kind of keeping quiet and waiting to see the kind of the, the look on their face as they, they see this incredible sea stack that you know is around the corner and, and drawing a lot of pleasure from that. So, so tell me about your uh, your life as a coach today. Uh, life as a coach today, um, it's a pretty good life to be honest. Uh, I've, I've, as you've uh, inferred, I've been kind of coaching and looking after folks kind of all my life, and a lot of that was in a full time position. Um, at Glenmore Lodge, a national outdoor training centre in Scotland. But these days I've been fortunate enough to move to a little bit more of a work-lifestyle balance. Uh, I now uh, kind of work as a, a freelance kind of coach and, and guide and consult uh, with supporting people in the outdoors and work a lot of bespoke coaching. So I like to work with small groups. Um, I like to kind of tailor uh, what I do very much to their needs, uh, just supporting them on their, their paddling journey. So my work these days is through the summer months is pretty much all on the sea and it's generally working with small groups in a very bespoke way um, to support them in their paddling and I'm happy to coach them wherever they want in Scotland so we therefore can get to lots of lovely places and use my local knowledge to, to get the most out of those areas. So that's the uh, the summer months, what about the rest of the months? Um, so the, the summer is very much kind of on the sea. Um, the autumn and the spring will be a mixture of on the sea and I uh, work a fair bit on the rivers as well and I'll do some of the whitewater uh, kayaking and coaching in the autumns and then the uh, spring. And then in the winter months I, I work as a, a mountain and ski instructor and uh, I do a lot of ski touring and off-piste skiing uh, in the Kangal Mountains which is right on my doorstep where I live and uh, winter climbing and winter mountaineering. So, so we're kind of involved in a nice range of activities. Um, and with all of those activities, I'm, again, privileged to be supporting people, becoming coaches and leaders and instructors themselves. So, so I do a lot of coach education training and leadership training for British canoeing and, uh, again, work uh, delivering all those qualification courses as well, which I'm, I'm pretty passionate about supporting and uh, evolving kind of the next generation of coaches and leaders. So truly a man for all seasons. Yes, it goes back to that kind of a uh, misspent youth and kind of never got the real <laughs> job. Well spent is playing in the outdoors and earning a living from it and 
uh, sharing that passion with others. So you mentioned Glenmore Lodge just a minute ago, and, and I don't want to uh, go on that too long, but I know that's a national training center, and that's a that's a different concept for for me at least, um, and I think it's much different outside the UK. Tell me a little bit about the national training center concept. What is that? Um, so, so Glenmore Lodge, where I was lucky enough to work for twenty seven years, and I ended up as the chief instructor, kind of managing all the training program uh, which happens at Glenmore Lodge and it's a uh, it's supported with government funding and the ethos is twofold and primarily it's to uh, train the instructors and the coaches in the workforce so it gets kind of some government funding to ensure that there's qualified people to enhance participation within Scotland. A good chunk of what we do at Glenmore Lodge is running the instructor and guide and coach training courses and assessments um, and that's very much the remit which is supported with some government funding and then the other part of the remit is linked to the participation and it's just kind of supporting people to uh, access the outdoors more safely and do a lot of the safety training for avalanche awareness or for sea safety and weather forecasting and, and the likes um, so so it's kind of government funded and it's partly to enhance participation um, in the outdoors, but safe participation where people can independently make good decisions. And then the other kind of key part of it is to um, be a kind of a, a place where there's people can train and be assessed to become future coaches and instructors. So that, that uh, government funding certainly increases the accessibility. Absolutely, yeah. yeah no, and it's, it, it's been there for 70 years now. So it started over 70 years ago as a, as a concept to train teachers and to train kind of people taking people into the outdoors and it it's going to be evolved over 70 years and it now works hand in hand with the um, governing bodies which administer the qualifications and because there's such a, a long longevity and pedigree of the delivery at Glenmore Lodge and we'll often support in the development of the qualifications um, as well as the delivery of the qualifications so um, so it's kind of really at the the heart of um outdoor education and outdoor provision within Scotland um, due to how long it's been operating as a centre, but how it kind of uh, has trained and supported kind of the, the workforce, so to speak, as well as kind of inspired many to go and enjoy the outdoors more safely. So that's certainly a model that, uh, that our government could consider. Uh, it, it certainly worked for us, and we, we have similar national centres in uh, across in Northern Ireland and in Wales. So it's a very kind of British model, um, of which Glen Lodge is the Scottish and there's uh, equivalents in, the, uh, in England, uh, Northern Ireland and Wales. Um, and let's get back to the books for just a moment. Scottish Sea Kayaking, you also operate a companion website to the book as well, is that correct? We do, yeah. That, that came came out of a, a passion of myself and my wife, who's uh, definitely the right-hand person in all of these adventures. Um, and I, I love my photography. And what we found with the books is that I'd write a book, I'd write a chapter, I'd have 40 amazing photos for that chapter, but only two photos could kind of go into the book. And it seemed, well, we've got all these lovely other photos to inspire people. It'd be nice to be able to um, share them with people. So we, we've evolved this website, scottishseakiking.co.uk, uh, really to complement and support the books. And the strap line is just kind of a, Scottish Sea Kayaking, uh, information and inspiration, and all the trips which I have in the books, of all the books I've written, 
then you can go onto the website and it gives you a summary of the trip, but more importantly, it then just kind of gives you lots of additional photos. It also kind of links into providers who may be able to take you to do trips in that area. It links into kind of safety information for weather forecasts and tidal information for that area. It links into environmental information about leaving no trace or how to kind of paddle around the, the wildlife, the birds and the sea life. So, so lots of educational stuff there to see kayak more sustainably and more responsibly, but also kind of lots of inspiration of photos. And, and if you pop onto the website and you, you think, oh, I'd love to go and see puffins, then it will give you kind of a, a list of recommended trips and where you can perhaps go and see puffins. Or if you're interested in seeing castles, you can give you a list of recommended trips with castles with all the associated photos. So, um, so it's kind of very much kind of to, to produce provide additional information and additional inspiration to the books. And of course, the website, we can kind of keep live and updated with information. So if there's kind of updates for title information, updates for access information, then the website now is the place where we can have that kind of very live feed kind of update of information. So if there are changes in the books, then um, we, can, uh, we can inform people through the website. Um, so we have that up and going. And then we run the social media alongside that. And again, through Facebook and Instagram, it's all just about trying to inspire people and encourage people to perhaps go paddle somewhere they hadn't thought of paddling before. Well, we will definitely encourage folks to, uh, to go out and get the book and, um, and go through that and then use the website as a companion to that and use them both together. Um, I will make sure I put links in our show notes to both the, uh, your books as well as the Scottish Sea Kayaking website. That's great. And the if you go onto the Scottish Sea Kayaking website, then there's a the shop there sells all the books. So it's a bit of a, a, a one-stop place for it all. Excellent. Is there another book in the future? Uh, not at the moment. No, no. I've been <laughs> smart. I've been kind of I've had kind of various book projects on the go since two thousand and three, and just at the moment it's the first time I've not got a book project on the go, and I'm, I'm quite liking it. It gives you more time to go out paddling, believe it or not. All right. <laughs> so in addition to the Scottish, Scottish Sea Kayaking website, how else could listeners reach you? Through that website would be the main place. If you kind of go onto the okay. providers in the website, then it will kind of highlight if they're wanting to have kind of coaching or guiding from myself, then then I can all be accessed through that website. So there's there's links in there to you know, how to contact me uh, email wise or as a provider. So, so that website is the is the place just to kind of touch base with me through there, and then we can build any communications or ways I can support from there. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that, and appreciate learning about your books and learning about the uh, the exciting places to paddle around Scotland. I know every time I talk to a guest, and of course yourself included, um, I always get more interested in, in in all the different places, and would love to get the opportunity to come out and paddle Scotland one day myself. Well, you'll have to do that, John. I'm sure there's plenty of people over here who'd, who'd, who'd welcome you from conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've got one final question for you, Doug, and that is who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? I think I'd, I'd recommend kind of a, a good friend of mine who I've, I've learned plenty before uh, and I'm always entertained by his chat and I'm always inspired by what he's done or what he inspired what he aspires to do and his, his sheer enthusiasm for doing stuff and there's a, a friend called Patrick Winterton who's done some amazing kind of crossings in the sea kayak and certainly has kind of pushed the boundaries in sea kayaking but first and foremost is just kind of passionate about the environment as well so, so I think Patrick would be a, a great person to hear from. 
Excellent. Well, thank you for the referral. I know Patrick's name's come up uh, come up before, and um, certainly we'll uh, reach out to him and try and get him on the show and, and learn some of those stories from Patrick as well. Yeah, it's been wonderful speaking to you. I appreciate the opportunity to get to learn from you and to learn about uh, the books and learn about uh, all the different coastlines or the different areas of Scotland. And um, I know I'll be picking up the book and exploring those areas in my mind and thinking about what trips I'll take in the future there as well. Great. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or whitewater, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. Well, Doug paints a beautiful picture of Scotland, its coastline, and its wildlife experiences, and Scotland's definitely on my bucket list. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Doug as much as I did. Please take a minute to visit the show notes for this episode at www.paddlingtheblue.com, and you'll find information there about Doug's books and a link to the website Scottish Sea Kayaking. Now, Doug referred Patrick Winterton in this episode, and it turns out Patrick is going to be our next guest. When Doug said Patrick has done some interesting open water crossings, he was definitely right. So Patrick's going to share a few stories, most notably the impressive St. Brendan's route and the Shetland bus. So please join me to hear these fascinating stories of two amazing trips. Thanks again, as always, for listening, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.